Um, hello and welcome to How Did It Get So Late, a live broadcast Tuesday nights at 9:10 p.m. where I read you a short story. Um, or in this case, a Wednesday night because I was at a potluck last night, um, which was very sweet and, as I've said before, as important to me as this is. Um, my real physical life will always take first priority over talking to myself in my bedroom. Um, so yeah, but I hope you had a lovely past week. Um, my days, as of late, have been filled with an excess amount of writing cover letters and um, running errands and making a lot of to-do lists and then sometimes doing things not on my to-do list and then writing them on there just so that I can immediately tick them off, uh, which is never not satisfying. <laughs> so, and I finished uh, a set of towels and got around to documenting things and updating my website. Um, and when I say I, actually, I mean my very sweet and amazing friend who documented them for me. Um, while I watched uselessly and was occasionally a hand model. <laughs> um, this to say, if you need a sweet little tea towel, um, you know where to find me. <laughs> I, I also have to give a little shout out to um, my friend Bree, whose birthday it is today, um, because she was at the other end of the phone call that uh, came up with this radio idea um, and helped me come up with the name and told me when my designs were ugly um, but in like the sweetest way possible uh, so yes happy birthday Brie um, I hope it was a lovely one uh, I just got back from the park I had a nice little read um, after getting a book at the library and then I biked the loop, so I always forget how um, rough that hill is <laughs> at the, at the um, I don't know, if anyone has ever biked the loop around Prospect Park, um, it's a lovely bike, but the end, oh, it's got a hill, and that hill, I always, I always underestimate that hill. Um, and I always try not to get off my bike and walk, and I usually succeed, but um, it's never not um, hard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I had a lovely read and um, it was very nice. I went to the park a few evenings ago actually with some friends and there was a jazz band playing and we stayed probably until 10. Um, but now, <laughs> this wasn't any normal run-of-the-mill um, park excursion, if you will, experience. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, so we're having a few beers, uh, and naturally, when you put liquid into your body, it's got to come out. Um, so it's late. Bathrooms are closed. Also, if they were open, they cost money, which has never failed to be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But this leaves us with um, nature, when nature calls, if you will. 
Um, so thankfully, we were we were in Prospect Park, which has a good bit of forest. Um, also, it's quite frankly the best park in New York City. Um, so do with that what you will. But um, I go into the night <laughs> searching for some place of relief <laughs> and saw this fantastic tree, like a good tree in general. But more specifically, it had like a concave side. Um, so it almost hugged you by forming like walls around you. Um, Honestly, I'd love to go back and see it in the daylight. But anyway, super, super close to a path. Um, but I was willing to take the risk since people were pretty few and far between. Um, so I traversed down to get to this tree nook and squat my little butt down <laughs> and um, pants up to these, tipsy uh, and ready to do my business. And what more do I hear than rustling? coming towards me um, <laughs> when suddenly out pops a quite large raccoon who is hissing at me I kid you not maybe like eight feet away six feet we all know what six feet looks like um, and I <laughs> am in a pretty vulnerable position but thank god I had yet to start actually peeing um, but it was, it was scary, and I am quickly trying to get out of there. Um, then I watch not one, not two, but three raccoons come out and walk across the path to, um, very cutely, I may say, hop into the trash can and rummage. <laughs> um, I did, I did find a place of solace, but not without fear, since I had lost lost eyes um on my new found friends <laughs> um and i did also have to walk back that way so my heart was really racing <laughs> and i ran <laughs> i ran back to my friends laughing like a crazed person um and tried to tell this story as um as clearly as i could through my fit of laughter um and <laughs> And now I'm here telling you all my intimate bathroom happenings for your enjoyment. Uh, and I hope you have enjoyed, um, as this story may very well be the beginnings of my stand-up set that I've always wanted to have. So, um, top, top five, is that what they call it? Um, top five minutes. So we'll see. I could, I could become famous off of these these bathroom stories um though i hope i only have the one <laughs> anyway <laughs> our reminders for the evening um there's an email link at the bottom of the website if you happen to have any story suggestions you would love to share um with the rest of us uh or perhaps you've been inspired by my beautiful telling of the raccoon pee situation and um you write your own story send that baby in please would love to read um yeah send in your bathroom happenings please <laughs> 
I, that's really what I want to do with my time is read um, bathroom horror stories. Um, also, per usual, this broadcast will be available until the next one airs a week from today, but one day late because I am a day late. So technically this one will only be up for six days. Um, anyway, last week's story, an absolute banger. Um, I see many a murder mystery in our future, not in our present as tonight's story um, is one I couldn't stop reading, honestly. And uh, I didn't finish it because I am loyal to, to the experiencing these things with you. But um, I really, I nearly almost finished it because it's pretty short and uh, I was just, it had a hold on me. Um, it's from a collection of short stories written by Lydia Davis. Um, who is an American short story writer and also translated a number of famed books from French to English. I don't remember a single one of them, but oh, oh I think one of them was Madame Bovary. Uh, yeah, I couldn't be too... I, yeah, it, it was definitely that one, but I don't know the other ones. Anyway, um, she's pretty well known, actually, in the short story world um, as being a master short story writer, um, some of which are one sentence long. So true, true short stories there. Um, this particular one was published um, in 1983 in a magazine. I believe it was Paris Magazine. Um, and it is just a stunning monologue um, as an estimate uh, it will probably be on the shorter side it will definitely be shorter than the past ones though um, not as short as one sentence long probably around 20 minutes I seem to be talking pretty quickly tonight I think my my uh, bike ride really gave me some adrenaline <laughs> Um, yeah, so, without further ado, this is Break It Down, with the beautiful sounds of, um, grinding metal in the background. <laughs> He's sitting there staring at a piece of paper in front of him. He's trying to break it down. He says, I'm breaking it all down. The ticket was... $600, and then after that, there was more for the hotel and food and so on for just 10 days. Say $80 a day? No. More like $100 a day? And we made love, say, once a day on the average. That's $100 a shot. And each time it lasted maybe two or three hours, so that would be anywhere from 33 to 50 an hour, which is expensive. Though, of course, that wasn't all that went on, because we were together almost all day long. She would keep looking at me, and every time she looked at me, it was worth something. And she smiled at me and didn't stop talking and singing. Something I said, she would sail into it, a snatch for me. She would be gone from me a little ways, but smiling too, and tell me jokes. And I loved it, but 
didn't exactly know what to do about it and just smiled back at her and felt slow next to her, just not quick enough. So she talked and touched me on the shoulder and the arm. She kept touching and staying close to me. You're with each other all day long, and it keeps happening, the touches and the smiles, and it adds up. It builds up, and you know where you'll be that night. You're talking, and every now and then you think about it. No, you don't think. You just feel it as a kind of destination. What's coming up after you leave wherever you are all wherever you are all evening and you're happy about it and you're planning it all not in your head really somewhere inside your body or all through your body it's all mounting up and coming together so that when you get in bed you can't help it it's a real performance it all pours out but slowly you go easy until you can't anymore and you hold back the whole time you hold back and touch the edges of everything you edge around until you have to plunge in and finish it off. And when you're finished, you're too weak to stand. But after a while, you have to go to the bathroom and you stand, your legs trembling. You hold on to the door frames. There's a little light coming in through the window. You can see your way in and out, but you can't really see the bed. So it's not really $100 a shot because it goes on all day. From the start when you wake up and feel her body next to you and you don't miss a thing, not a thing of what's next to you, her arm, her leg, her shoulder, her face, that good skin. I have felt other good skin, but this skin is just the edge of something else. And you're going to start, no matter how much you crawl all over each other, it won't be enough. And when your hunger dies down a little, then you think how much you love her and that starts you off again. And her face. You look over at her face and can't believe how you got there and how lucky and it's still a little surprise and it never stops. Even after it's over, it never stops being a surprise. It's more like you have a good 16 or 18 hours a day of this going on. Even when you're not with her, it's going on. It's good to be away because it's good to be so good to get back to her. So. It's still here, and you can't go off and look at some old street or some old painting without still feeling it in your body, and a few things that happened the day before that don't mean much by themselves, or wouldn't mean much if you weren't having this thing together, but you can't forget, and it's all inside you all the time. So that's more like, say, 16 into 100, which would be $6 an hour, which isn't too much. And then it really keeps going on while you're asleep, though you're probably dreaming about something else. A building, maybe? I kept dreaming every night, almost, about this building. Because I would spend a lot of every morning in this old stone building, and when I closed my eyes, I would see these cool spaces and have this peace inside me. I would see the bricks of the floor and the stone arches and the space, the emptiness between like a kind of dark frame around what I could see beyond. A garden, and this space was like stone too because of the coolness of it and the gray shadow, that kind of luminous shade that was glowing with the light of the sun falling beyond the arches. And there was also the great height of the ceiling. All of this was in my mind all the time, though I didn't know it until I closed my eyes. 
I'm asleep and I'm not dreaming about her, but she's lying next to me and I wake up enough times in the night to remember she's there. And notice, say, once she was lying on her back, but now she's curled around me. I look at her closed eyes. I want to kiss her eyelids. I want to feel that soft skin under my lips, but I don't want to disturb her. I don't want to see her frown as though in her sleep she has forgotten who I am and feels just that something is bothering her. And so I just look at her and hold it all in. These times when I'm watching her sleep and she's next to me and isn't away from me all the way, she will be later. I want to stay awake all night just to go on feeling that, but I can't. I fall asleep again, though I'm sleeping lightly, still trying to hold on to it. But it isn't over when it ends. It goes on after it's all over. She's still inside you like a sweet liquor. You're filled with her. Everything about her is kind of bled into you. Her smell, her voice, the way her body moves. It's all inside you. For at least a while after. Then you begin to lose it, and I'm beginning to lose it. You're afraid of how weak you are, that you can't get her all back into you again and now the whole thing is going out of your body and it's more in your mind than in your body. The pictures come to you one by one and you look at them. Some of them last longer than others. You are together in a very white clean place, a coffee house, having breakfast together. And the place is so white that against it you can see her clearly. Her blue eyes, her smile, the colors of her clothes, even the print of the newspaper she's reading when she's not looking up at you. The light brown and red and gold of her hair when she's got her head down reading. The brown coffee, the brown rolls, all against that white table and those white plates and silver urns and silver knives and spoons. And against that quiet of the sleepy people in that room sitting alone at their tables with just some clinking and clattering of spoons and cups and saucers and some hushed voices. Her voice now and then rising and falling. The pictures come to you and you have to hope that they won't lose their life too fast and dry up, though you know they will, and that you'll also forget some of what happened, because already you're turning up little things that you nearly forgot. We were in bed and she asked me, Do I seem fat to you? And I was surprised because she didn't seem to worry about herself at all in that way. And I guess I was reading into it that she didn't worry about herself, so I answered what I was thinking and said stupidly that she had a very beautiful body, that her body was perfect, and I really meant it as an answer. But she said kind of sharply, that's not what she asked. And so I had to try to answer her again exactly what she had asked. And once she lay over against me late in the night and she started talking, her breath in my ear and she just went on and on and talked faster and faster. She couldn't stop and I loved it. I just felt that all that life in her was running into me. I had so little life in me. Her life, her fire was coming into me in that hot breath in my ear and I just wanted to go. I just wanted her to go on talking forever right there next to me and I would go on living like that. I would be able to go on living, but without her, I don't know. Then you forget some of it all, maybe most of it all, almost all of it in the end. And you work hard at remembering everything now, so you won't ever forget, but you can kill it too, even by thinking about it too much. 
though you can't help thinking about it nearly all the time. And then, when the pictures start to go, you start asking some questions. Just little questions that sit in your mind without answers, like, why did she have the light on when you came in to bed one night, but it was off the next, but she had it on the night after that, and she had it off the last night? Why? And other questions, little questions that nag at you like that. Finally, the pictures go, and these dry little questions just sit there without any answers. And you're left with this large, heavy pain in you that you try to numb by reading, or you try to ease it by getting out into public places where there will be people around you, but no matter how good you are at pushing that pain away, just when you think you're going to be all right for a while, that you're safe, you're kind of holding it off with all your strength and you're staying in some little bare numb spot of ground then suddenly it will all come back you'll hear a noise maybe it's a cat crying or a baby or something else like her cry you hear it and make that connection in a part of you you have no control over and the pain comes back so hard that you're afraid afraid of how you're falling back into it again and you wonder no you're terrified to ask how you're ever going to climb out of it. And so it's not only every hour of the day while it's happening, but it's really for hours and hours every day after that, for weeks, though less and less so that you could work out the ratio if you wanted. Maybe after six weeks, you're only thinking about it an hour or so in the day altogether, a few minutes here and there over, or a few minutes here and there and a half hour before you go to sleep, or sometimes it all comes back and you stay awake with it half the night. So when you add all that up, you've only spent maybe $3 an hour on it. If you have to figure in the bad times too, I don't know. There weren't any bad times with her, though maybe there was one bad time when I told her I loved her. I couldn't help it. This was the first time this had happened with her. Now, I was half falling in love with her, maybe completely if she had let me, but she couldn't, or I couldn't completely, because it was all going to be so short, and other things too, and so I told her. And I didn't know of any way to tell her first that she didn't have to feel this was a burden, the fact that I loved her or that she didn't have to feel the same way about me, or say the same back, that it was just that I had to tell her, that's all, because it was bursting inside me, and saying it wouldn't even begin to take care of what I was feeling. Really, I couldn't say anything of what I was feeling, because there was so much. Words couldn't handle it, and making love only made it worse, because then I wanted words badly, but they were no good, no good at all, but... I told her anyway. I was lying on top of her and her hands were up by her head and my hands were on hers and our fingers were locked and there was a little light on her face from the window but I couldn't really see her and I was afraid to say it but I had to. I had to say it because I wanted her to know. It was the last night. I had to tell her then or I'd never have another chance. I just said, before you go to sleep, I have to tell you, before, before you go to sleep, that I love you. And immediately, right away after, she said, I love you too. 
and it sounded to me as if she didn't mean it, a little flat, and then it usually sounds a little flat when someone says it, I love you too, because they're just saying it back even if they do mean it, and the problem is that I'll never know if she meant it, or maybe someday she'll tell me whether she meant it or not, but there's no way to know now, and I'm sorry I did that. It was a trap. I didn't mean to put her in it. I can see it was a trap, because if she hadn't said anything at all, I know that would have hurt too. As though she were taking something from me and just accepting it and not giving anything back. So she really had to, even just to be kind to me. She had to say it, and I don't really know now if she meant it. Another bad time, or it wasn't exactly bad, but it wasn't easy either, was when I had to leave. The time was coming. And I was beginning to tremble and feel empty, nothing in the middle of me, nothing inside and nothing to hold me up on my legs. And then it came, everything was ready and I had to go and so it was just a kiss, a quick one, as though we were afraid what might happen after a kiss. And she was almost wild then, she reached up to the hook by the door and took an old shirt, a green and blue shirt from the hook and put it in my arms for me to take away. The soft cloth was full of her smell, and then we stood there close together looking at a piece of paper she had in her hand, and I didn't lose any of it. I was holding it tight that last minute or two because this was it. We'd come to the end of it. Things always change, so this really was it. Over. Maybe it works out alright. Maybe you haven't lost for doing it. I don't know. No. Really, sometimes when you think of it, you feel like a prince, really. You feel just like a king, and then other times you're afraid. You're afraid, not, not at all the time, but now and then of what it's going to do to you. And it's hard to know what to do with it now. Walking away, I look back once and the door was still open. I could see her standing far back in the dark of the room. I could only really see her white face still looking out at me, and her white arms. I guess you get to a point where you look at that pain as if it were there in front of you, three feet away, lying in a box, in an open box, in a window somewhere. It's hard and cold, like a bar of metal. You just look at it there and say, alright, I'll take it, I'll buy it. That's what it is. Because you know all about it before you even go into this thing. You know the pain is part of the whole thing. And it isn't that you can say afterwards the pleasure was greater than the pain and that's why you would do it again. That has nothing to do with it. You can't measure it because the pain comes after and it lasts longer. So the question really is, why doesn't that pain make you say, I won't do it again? when the pain is so bad that you have to say that, but you don't. So I'm just thinking about it, how you can go in with $600, more like a thousand, and how you can come out with an old shirt. And that was the end. That was, I'm like kind of tearing up. That was so, uh, I'm glad I didn't finish reading it because that was such a good ending. And, wow, um, I love a monologue. 
and this was just absolutely stunning that's all i can say um and really you know <laughs> i don't know how deep i want to get here but um i i mean i imagine like everyone knows what it's like to be in love and then the pain of not having it anymore and then you do it all again and you do it over and over in your life and for why <laughs> because it hurts so bad but yeah how is is it worth it <laughs> i mean i personally think so because i think human connection is like pretty much the reason we're here um everything else is just kind of like i don't know it doesn't matter but damn that was a really good i really liked that one um only monologue by a man that i'll ever <laughs> love even though it was written by a woman <laughs> i like to think it was a woman speaking though just to make it you know a little more relatable to us queers <laughs> but anyway um i hope you enjoyed that one uh i'm sorry of course now the grinding of the metal stops um but maybe it added to it <laughs> it added to the pain we all feel in our in our hearts when we have to leave someone we love but anyway um yeah, thank you for listening to How Did It Get So Late. I hope you have a lovely rest of your night and week and sweet dreams until next time. <laughs>